All right, that was better. That was better. Kind of almost sounded like you're talking to your grandma on the phone, but it's all right. Some of you guys love your grandmas, though, so I won't take that from you. Um, actually, if we can, um, would you guys want this here? No? Where's Jorge? Jorge, could you take this, please? Thank you. It was supposed to be after for them. After. Yeah, it's all right, but love you, bro. We're going we're gonna to take that from them. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. So today we have a special, special, special guest, right? Everybody say special. special. And then we have another special guest with that special guest. So say special again. Special. Say special times two. Special times two. Say special for, you. special for you. Amen. Amen. Listen, guys, we're in an awesome sermon series this month. We're going to have a lot of special guests here um, we're going to be talking about true love and how true love waits leading up to our purity ceremony. And before you know it, you guys will be uh, up here and you guys are going to be basically saying, I'm going to wait for my spouse. If you guys want to get married, if you don't want to get married, that's cool. That's cool. I won't, I won't judge you for that, right? But we have lots, we're blessed in this church because we have lots of people that they did it the right way. They got married uh, and they live for Jesus and you know, they, they have a story to tell. So without further ado, right, we have two special guests. If I can get a drum, drum roll, please. Drum roll. Like actually on the drum, though. Come on, Nate. Come on, Nate. Nate, you got to be quick. See, Lawrence would have already been up here, man. Come on, Lawrence would have already been up here. <clears throat> and a special guest. The return Ashley and Yuli Munoz. Awesome. Yes, you can take that water. That's all yours, man. So for some of you that don't know this, this awesome couple right here, they serve as deacons in our church. They were uh, very important deacons in our, sir, in our youth group, right, in Elevate. If you, if you remember Yuli and Ashley, give a hand clap for them, right? You guys, you guys remember them, right? So they, they love you guys, even if they don't know you. As they're looking at you, they're like, man, I really love this person, right? They're awesome. They serve the Lord together. They have two awesome ninoses. I said that wrong, but it's okay. But anyway, they're going to tell their awesome story of how they, they fell in love with Jesus and how they fell in love with each other, right? So I'm going to let them do that. Here you go. Amen. Give it up for Jovi. He's awesome. Amen. Well, like you said, right, we used to be in Elevate. It is really an honor to be here before all of you again. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was 16 years old and I came to Elevate the first time. That's, I found Jesus right where you're sitting. Well, I was sitting somewhere here, but, <laughs> but I found Jesus here, honestly. You know, it, it took somebody to tell me about Jesus for me to be where I am today. And so that's why it's important that you do the same. You evangelize because that, that's important. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm going to start off right with explaining to y'all uh, my testimony, right, of how I was before Christ, right, in my relationships, and then I'm going to talk about how, uh, as my singleness, right, being a Christian, because it's important as well to know that. But before Jesus, I was a very, very uh, lustful guy. I was like that player in high school, that dude walking down the hallways, just chasing after you know, other girls or whatnot, and just trying to be popular, trying to build up a name of myself, though everything else was just not good as far as, like, school or my relationship with my mom. It was just all 
just just bogus, you know, and all I really cared about was myself, me against the world type of mentality. And it, it, one, one day when I, uh, I was in a relationship with, with, with somebody and she told me one time that she goes to church or whatnot and, and it didn't seem like she would go to church, right? And so I was like, well, I do go to church and I go to Catholic church and whatnot. And so to her, I was like, oh, you're not really Christian. I'm a Catholic. But I didn't really understand what that was. Like, well, I thought it's all the same thing, like Muslims, Buddhists, um, you know, Hindus and whatnot. Like, there's, all, there's only one way. There's many ways, right? But I started to do some research and figure out, like, man, who is Jesus? And why am I just this person that I am just so lustful? I, don't, I didn't even know what love was or even if love was real. Like, to me, it was just all, like, dating this person, dating that person. And I was trying to find purpose into something, Right? And that's how a lot of teenagers or young people are. They're trying to find a purpose, who they are, what their future is. Like, like where, do, where do they belong in the world? You know, should I sit at this lunch table with the, the goths or should I sit on this table with the gay members, right? Believe it or not, it is like that. <laughs> now, there's clicks, right? And, you know, Joey, I'm sure you can relate to that. But, no, there's, that's, there's always that trend of clicks. And so, but I didn't know where I belonged, did not know where I belonged, and so it, was, it, was, it took time for me to, to figure that out, and I had learned the hard way through being depressed, <laughs> through being uh, almost like suicidal, right, having thoughts, didn't do it, but just thinking of like, well, m- my life stinks, like I shouldn't belong in this world, All right, with that, having that mentality, it's dangerous, and so, right, learned the hard way, <laughs> and, and so one day, I remember going to... Uh, the mass, right, and I went up to, like, the confessional, and I was confessing my sin, right, which is what, what you would do, <laughs> and the priest really had nothing to say to me other than say, tell him how Mary is, I believe is what he said, and uh, say you're sorry, right, repent, and yeah, I was, I went home super sad, you know, um, <laughs> it was like, like, I really thought I would find some purpose because I shared just how my relationships were, and being this perverted little teenager, right? And so the, the suicidal thoughts started to grow bigger. The depression started to grow bigger. Uh, just started to drink more and going to parties or whatnot. It was just, just messed up. <laughs> and the biggest thing that I just kept going back to was dating, dating, dating. Like never even being committed to one relationship. It was just jumping after one or the other, you know? And one day, you know, I, I met somebody who... Who, who again said who was a, a Christian girl, right? And but I, I we were eating date. It was just somebody that I liked, and she invited me to Elevate, and so I came to Elevate, and I kid you not, like I remember just completely forgetting about who this girl was because I felt the spirit of God in this place. Like literally, I felt like God was just like I see what you did there, God. You're using somebody, right, to to bring me to church, and believe it or not, God uses people, <laughs> even sinners. Uh, to fulfill his purpose. And that night, I gave my life to Jesus, September, uh, 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 September 10th. Well, I don't remember the exact same day, but it was September. It was the month of September of 2013, right? I gave my life to Jesus. And since then, amen, since then, I've been on fire for Jesus, right? I'm, I'm married today, right? I have two kids. I know I jumped way ahead, but, <laughs> but that's where it started, though. I, it's salvation. I gave my life to Jesus. I jumped on that boat and realized, like, this is what love I recognize that God is love, that God is unconditional. He gives you unconditional love, that agape love, a love that is eternal, a love that, that no man can compare to it because, well, for one, he created love. 
He is a designer of love. It is the reason why we even have emotions, why we even can love. So we ought to give him the glory then. We ought to give our love to and our, our adoration to God. Amen. And, you know, that's my past, right? That's how I was before Jesus with the relationships. And, you know, being single then, it was like, well, do I still date? I'm a Christian. I should I still date? Well, that temptation was still there. I still wanted to date, but I want to do it the right way this time, right? <laughs> And, and sure enough, you know, so I ran into some issues, uh, not really sin, but just, you know, dating this person or dating that person or wanting to get married with this person. Because I was young, you know, I want to get married. I hear people are getting married in the church. I hear Bible college students are getting married. I want to get married, you know, even though I was 17 at that time. I'm still living with my mama, right? I want to get married. But, but it's, it was just that fire, that passion inside of me. Like, people are doing it right or saying you can do it right. Well, I want to be a part of that, too, you know. <laughs> I was being thirsty, right? <laughs> but it, it took, again, the hard way for me to learn that, you know, I got I to gotta calm down. And so, you know, I was single for like a year. Uh, well, before that, right, I was dating somebody. But, you know, I was single for a year. And in that year, um, well, that's where, you know, my wife comes in, right? We were, we were friends at first. And I was very shallow in my way of how I viewed women. I, I had like this mindset of, She's got to look like this. She's got to talk like this. She's got to dress up like this, like build a Barbie type of workshop. <laughs> and um, it was, it's wrong. It was wrong to have that mindset. It's always wrong to think like that because the looks and all of that, that fades away. But what does not is the beautiful part inside of a person, the soul. That's, that, that does not. And that's what's important for someone to see. And, and, and thankfully, God showed me that. Right, and, and my wife, right, through my singleness, I saw some, such a huge potential, such huge beauty, a, a personality, everything. It was like, wow, she, she's hungry for God. She's hungry for righteousness. She's hungry for the things of God. And that, believe it or not, I mean, that's what I fell in love with. And that's what, what I hear a lot of men in the church say they, they fell in love with about their wives. It's not about how they look or not to say their wives, they don't say they're pretty or anything like that. But, but the inside, the, the internal things, that's, that's what they see and that's what's awesome. And believe it or not, I mean, also as well, that's how God sees us too. Because you may have like no limbs, you may have like a missing eye or whatnot, but you're worthy. He made you with a purpose. He made you with a plan. And so that's the unconditional love where it comes in, where God is like giving me a glimpse of it. Like, this is how, I, how I'm seeing things, God. You're showing me how you see, you know, people as well. And that's how I, you know, I see, you know, I saw Ashley and, you know, being single. And, yeah, you know, then I, I remember down the road, I, I started to like her, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. And my wife, though, she's going to now uh, give her side of her testimonies as well. And we'll talk more later, right? <laughs> so just part of something that my husband said that he got saved in 2013. And funny thing is, a year later, I come to this church. So I got saved when I was 21 years old. I was in college. I was dating a terrible guy. And I say that because he did a lot of things that were not nice to me. And the thing that comes with that was um, I was born into a household of brokenness. My parents were divorced. My father became a crack addict. He abandoned my family. And all I saw was my worth. My worth was abandonment. My worth was sadness. My worth was nothing. 
And what I did was I tried to look for that man that would love me. You know, my dad didn't love me. Maybe he'll love me. And once someone said, I love you, that's what it was. And before my husband, I've had one boyfriend, and I dated him for three years, and he brought me to church. And that's how I got saved in that church. But it, playing games in that time, you know, I was still, I didn't know the love of Jesus yet. And when that happened, when I finally clicked, when I submersed myself in his word, when I ran for Jesus, when I let him go, that was one of the most powerful moments in my walk with the Lord, was letting this man go and knowing that just because I put in three years, just because my mom told him he could marry me, didn't mean that God told me I should marry him. So no matter how much time one can put into a relationship, it is wrong and it'll be wrong 10 years from now just like it was in year one. And that was powerful as a, as a girl, as a woman, becoming into that, you know, that healing, you know, that Jesus said, it's okay. You can walk away because I want you to come closer to me. And at um, my former church, I was uh, given a word that I would be, you know, an amazing mother. And I would be a great wife. And that was in, um, that was in about like 2011. And I, I stuck with that word, you know. And I prayed on that and I held that in my heart. And then I got transitioned to a big push to come to a different church, right? A thirst for leadership. And knowing that next church you go to, you will find your husband, so I held on to that. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his name. I didn't know what he would look like, you know. I was like, trusting Jesus, right? That's sort of the theme, right, that trusting the Lord. Um, and also being, you know, I told you I was in my 20s. I'm kind of, you know, I'm an adult. You know, some people get a little nervous, like, when you go and get married, you know, when you go and have those babies. Okay. So, no, just holding on to that and not listening to people but listening to Jesus, who was guiding me and telling me all the things I should do and doing a lot of fearful, scary things for me, you know, putting myself out there, telling my mom, ooh, telling my mom that what she thought was wrong and telling others, like, no, Jesus is speaking to me and he's telling me where to go. So I come to MPI um, and, you know, I was ready. I was like, I was open and I was looking for my husband. And the big thing um, as a Christian dating um, it took me five years for the words spoken into my life to come to fruition because I waited and I prayed. And instead of thinking, you know, God, give me the right man for me, it was God, make me the right woman, right? It's not always about the man coming to save you because Jesus is your savior. And once he is your savior and he refreshes your soul and makes things right and heals you, then that's when you can be Proverbs 31, right? That's where you can be here, right? And um, a part of the word um, going more into how we came together and um, how we started to date was that I was given a word, all these words, you know, Jesus speaking to me, you know, just being washed, um, that I would come to this church and I would know more as I, um, as I worshiped and as I evangelized. So I came every Saturday to evangelism and it was the first time, you know, I never had talked to anyone about Jesus, and 
uh, Joe and another uh, friend of ours and my husband here, they did practicum, right? For, they were there every Saturday, and so was I. And sometimes I was the only girl there. But that was not my purpose to just watch gender roles. But I was there to talk to people about Jesus. And many times I was put on this guy's team. And then you know what? Jesus told me you guys could be a great team, right? Come on, wake up, y'all. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's just like, um, but yeah, it was that the thing that drawed us together was Jesus. It was how he spoke to people, how uh, humble he was, and just knowing, like, not looking at his physicality at all, but looking at the heart, right? The fire that was placed inside of him because, you know, like we said, the looks are going to fade, but that fire is going to burn bright. And knowing that in um, some things that are just uh, unique to our situation, we have an age gap, right? Um, so that was something, you know, being real, right? So that can be scary for some people or like confusing at times, but knowing like that God put us together and then knowing that intent and that's what drew us together was, you know, having that time in evangelism and then also becoming leaders in Elevate, right? We were um, going hard for God, you know, still going hard for God, but, you know, that was what we put first. You know, um, if somebody you ever have your eyes on draws you away from Jesus, not the one, right? Because what I always think about is you should be running towards Jesus and then suddenly go, oh, you're running too? Let's go. Let's both do it, right? So it's nothing, no one should detract you from um, your purpose with the Lord and kind of take you off that path. And so that's how we were drawn together um, to become a couple. And, you know, to date, he kind <laughs> of, I just want to say it, he kept making me wait. This man kept taking me on hangouts. I'm trying to find some of the old school peeps who remember this. Where they're like, so when you, are you guys dating? It's like we're hanging out. Um, but I did. Um, and I just, another funny thing was uh, I told him one time when we were trying to do a hangout. I was like, well, are you going to date me? Because I'm dating to marry and I'm not playing around with you. And he was like, oh, okay, that's how that goes. So that's how you be assertive, ladies, okay? That's how you know, like, I'm not playing around. I'm dating to marry. I'm not dating just to find out who you are and check our horoscopes. No, we're trying to see, you know, like, God has told me to date you, to marry you. And that is the intention. And um, there's a great book outside, Date Like a Christian. That's a great book to read um, that helps you along with that. Um, but also when we, you know, we felt it in our hearts that we should date each other and then eventually marry, um, we didn't just go and do our own thing. We talked to our elders. We talked to our leaders. We talked to our mentors and uh, to guide us and have accountability, right, to um, do things like he was saying, the right way, do things God's way. So um, that was just part of what we were um, doing with us to date, and now he's going to talk about us getting married, right? Amen. Give it up. She did awesome. Sure, yeah. Um, 
the title that Joby has is very intriguing to me because that it's a little bit something what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Man shall not be alone. Uh, if you could actually go to a passage of uh, scripture, it's in Genesis. Uh, go to Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 18, please. Yeah, so let's, let's read here, right? It says that the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. Isn't that awesome that, that God just knew that from the beginning? I mean, it just, it just shows to prove that, that marriage is definitely, uh, it is a very purposeful and a unique thing that from the very beginning God had created marriage, right? And in that is displayed here with, you know, with Adam, and then soon we see who that is, right? But, but he says that it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, notice this is Logos, right? If you could just highlight it, helper, I want to see if it comes up with what I was going to touch in on a little bit. Yeah, just if you can get the, uh, like the, the lexicon. It's in the Hebrew. Um, but it should say something like Azer or Ezer, if I'm saying it correct. Yeah. All right. You see it out there? Yeah, here it is. Yeah, Ezer. Yeah, assistance, right? Uh, so a few of the things that we here see is to come to help, right? Uh, and through my research, uh, a long time ago when I was, we were in the process of getting married, I had looked at this and I was like, wow, like it's, it's truly amazing how, you know, God wants a, uh, a helper for me, right? And I'm seeing, you know, the passage here. And, you know, in culture today, we see a lot about how, it seems like the women in, in marriage, like in TV shows and movies, is displayed as like like that slave. She just helps. She just does this. She just cleans. She just hangs out with friends or whatnot. And then I don't say it in any way to offend, but that's like how the culture kind of just portrays the woman in marriage. And the dude just goes and hangs out with friends. He doesn't want to hang out with his wife or whatnot. But this is truly something important here, right? It's that you know God is is saying that the woman's going to be the help mate, right? That and my wife, you know, through uh, you know, through the process of, you know, getting married, I started to see that already before. <laughs> like, you know, we helped each other out in evangelism. We helped each other out in Elevate and ministry. Like, we did a lot of things together. And we learned a lot through communication. We learned so much, you know, how to do things together. And I'm seeing, like, the scripture coming alive there, right? And then later on, like, being married, it was like, wow, I'm seeing it even more. Like, like we're, we're, we're cooking, you know, we're helping together, we're cleaning together sometimes, right? Like it's not all just like, like my wife is doing this. It's that, yeah, my wife stirs, but we serve together, you know? And, and that's, that's the beauty of it, that God knows that the union, the union aspect of a marriage is truly, truly important, right? Becoming one and doing things together. And so, you know, with, you know, with my wife and I, it, was, it wasn't always like... Uh, how do I say it, where, like, if, I, if she was sick, I was healthy, and I was taking care of my wife. So it wasn't like we were both always healthy, or, or you know, some people may say, like, like uh, you know, Disney movies, they'll portray, like, marriages, like, fairy tales or whatnot. <laughs> but life is life. There's things happen in life. Your spouse gets sick. Uh, you lose money. You lose a job. And so at the end of the day, I mean, are you going to walk out on your wife or your husband? No, like, you're going you're gonna to go through all that together. And I went through that together with my wife, and it was, it was a joy. I mean, at first it was, it was hard, but, but we saw the joy of it that I would rather go through this with my wife than do it alone. 
And all, not only that, but well, God is with us too. <laughs> because if I don't have a job, if I don't have a car or money, well, we got Jesus. And he's there with us and he's taking us through it. And so there were times right in our marriage where, yes, she got very sick and God gave me the strength and equipped me to take care of my wife. And something very interesting about that is if you guys remember just going to weddings, you hear like the very traditional vows where, you know, they're at the altar and the husband, the wife, they say to each other and sickness or in health, right, for richer or poor, right? It's, that, that is true, really, honestly. And I saw that a lot in, in our life through, through sickness or in health. Like, we're still married. I'm not backing down on you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. And then when you're healthy, we're still going to do the same thing. <laughs> If we're rich, we don't have much, right? Well, we still, we still got Jesus. We're still together. We're still here because that's not what's important, right? It's, 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 the, it's the marriage. It's, it's what God has started together that no man, right, can separate. We're, we're, we're together. We're a union, right? I, I don't know how much I can emphasize to that, but that, that being together is, is so awesome, right? And I just really think that this, this verse highlights a lot of, of our marriage that we do so much together we and throughout the, throughout the throughout our marriage we have seen so much that has blessed us you know having children as well we still do the same thing we, we talk about how we want to discipline our kids together that we're going to potty train them together it's not just you or me but we do it together you know and and it, there's nothing wrong with that and God knows that every time right he knows that a man shall not be alone Ulysses will not be alone, right? Joby will not be alone, right? You know, he is, he's married, right? And then one day, right, uh, TJ, he will not be alone. He will have a wife as well. <laughs> um, but, amen, that's, that's really what I wanted to, to discuss more about. Um, did you want to share anything else? No? Amen. Well, well, we hope this blessed you guys. So honestly, we, it was truly an honor to speak here in front of you all. We hope that you learn what it is to... You know, for what a marriage is and the journey that it is, and it's it's an awesome thing. I love being married to my wife. <laughs> Amen. Oh, Joe. Yeah. Give a hand clap for Yuli and Ashley. Woo, they're so awesome. Yes, yes. You know, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, just being able to. To see them come together as a married couple, and it was awesome to see them have kids as well. Cause like I don't know, could you get them actually? If you can get them now, I have two awesome kids. Those are my god kids. I'm a padrino. That's right. Come on, the Godfather. <laughs> come to me on the day of Yuli's wedding. You know, <laughs> you know, you know that. Yeah. Do you? Wait, do you know that movie? The Godfather? No, I was talking to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's me one day. No, I'm just kidding. I've, not, I've never even seen that movie, to be honest. <laughs> but, there, you know, it's, uh, it's such a blessing. And it's crazy that you went to that verse um, because that's exactly what I'm going to be speaking on today. That's the nation right there, Israel. And this, yeah, these are our a, and then this is you. You guys remember Yuli? Yeah. That's Yuli right there. Look at him. Yeah. This is the first. 
and I think only Elevate Baby, right? Because you stayed, yeah. So you're special, Yuli, because you were, you were born and you stayed here for a little bit. So this was our youngest elevator, amen? Amen. Awesome. Say bye. <laughs> but what's awesome, you know, just family itself, uh, it's such a beautiful thing, and it's, it's so inspiring. And for a lot of us, we don't really think of family as, as that life-changing. But, you know, you think about some of the greatest people that ever lived, there's usually a, a great family that they came from or a great family that they produced. And the issue is, though, is a lot of great people that did live, right, they came from a great family, but they never produced a great family uh, because they forgot that man should not be alone. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, Yuli kind of mentioned it. You know, he brought that verse. He almost took my sermon. I was like, oh, I was looking at him like, what am I going to say now? <laughs> but he didn't. Praise God. He's a preacher as well. And his wife is too. But if we can go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 14. Listen, it's really good to be together, right? Amen? Amen. Uh, how many of you are related to the person you're next to in this place? Raise your hand. Or how many of you are related to someone that is in this place? Raise your hand. How many of you are related to someone in this place? Libni, you just point to Abdi real quick. Abdi points to Libni. All right. You guys all point to each other. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like that Spider-Man meme <laughs> or something. All right. And then Kirsten, just, just holla at Josie really quickly. Yeah. Kirsten's like. <laughs> uh, yeah. So who else? Who else? No one else? Uh, TJ and Will. <laughs> oh, you guys used to do that too? Yeah, I remember someone sent me a brother request. Like to make, I'm like, nah, you ain't my brother, bro. <laughs> I'm like, nah, nope. But, you know, there, there's a beautiful thing. It's, a, it's good to be together, good to be in unity. The Bible says how pleasant it is for uh, people to be in unity. It's like, oil dripping from the beard of Aaron. What that meant was basically, it's almost like the presence of God. It's almost like the anointing of God when we're in unity. It's a beautiful thing. It's a holy thing. Now, so that's one aspect that we know. It's good to be together. And then here, here's the other thing is that loneliness is an issue. Loneliness is a big, a big issue. It's, it's tied to depression. It's tied to suicide. Loneliness is something that has been growing because it says among 16, on a, on a website here is the Newport Academy. It says that among 16 to 24-year-olds, how, how many of you are 16 in this place? If you're 16 or older, raise your hand. 16 or older, raise your hand. All right. Now, if you are 24 and younger, raise your hand. Still there. Still there. Not soon. Almost not there. Just a few months, and I'll be 25. I'll be, I'll be 25 years away from 50. <laughs> Come on, Grandpa Joby, right? But 40% of that age group is dealing with loneliness. And that's probably even getting younger. And there's a, there's a movie I mean to watch, but I've heard that it deals with that. It's called The Social Dilemma. And it talks about how even though we're supposedly connected more than ever th via social media, we're actually more lonely than we've ever been. So there's this the situation going on here of loneliness, and I feel like it's, it's best to address situations with the Scripture. 
So Genesis 2, verses 18 to 24, this is Genesis. This is talking about God creating the heavens and the earth and, and the inhabitants that are in there. Now, it says in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not, everybody say good. good. Say no bueno. For the man to be alone, I will make a helper. Everybody say helper. Suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper. Everybody say, no ayudar. No ayudar. Right? Am I saying that right? No help? Yeah, I'm saying that right? No ayudar. Okay. Wouldn't it be ayudar? Ayudar? Ah. Oh. Ah. Yo sé. Yo sé. Yo sé. Okay. All right. So everybody say, no ayudar. Amen. So no ayuda was found, no busco, no buscar. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. As you can see, I'm in Dolingo. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman, right, from the rib. Everybody say, woman. Say, woman. No, I'm sorry. Don't do that. He had taken out of the man. And he brought to her the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were naked. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But also, man, reading the word of God with you guys, but we have to get into it. When we look at this passage, there are some things that I really want to highlight. First of all, we kind of went through, you know, Genesis recently, right? And we realized that God, every time he made something, he said it was, no, not, that, that's when Jesus said on the cross, it's good, yes, amen, amen. SU and Bible students skipping ahead of the story. So it is good. But then he gets to him and he says, it is not good. He gets to Adam. And he says, it's not suitable, it's not good for man to be alone. So God himself says here that loneliness is not good. Loneliness is not good. How many of you have been alone at 3 a.m. with a phone in your hand? It's not a good th- place to be. Not a good place to be, right? No bueno, not good, right? How many of you have been lonely in dark streets before? And then there's some dude walking after you. Ladies, you guys know what that is, right? When you've been alone and some dude's just following you, and then also you pick up the phone, and you're like, I'm not even talking to anybody, but this creep is just looking at me. Yeah, you guys know what that is. My wife used to call me and be like, there's someone here. She used to live by a bar, and she would never park across the street from the bar because she would have to cross the street. So she would take that risk just not to cross the street, and I'd just be like, why don't you just cross the street? But it was just a whole thing. But she would always have a problem being alone in that spot, in that corner. Anybody ever been in a fight before? It's not good to be in a fight alone because you may be alone, but the dude who you're whipping on is not alone. Let's believe that. He's not alone. And then the guy's going to help him out, beat him up. No one's ever seen that before. I'm just, just trying to, yes, yes, right? You've seen that before. Okay, so I'm just, even in the world, even in a 
when we're not talking about relationship marriage, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. God says loneliness is not good. Understand there's a difference between solitude and loneliness. Everybody needs some alone time, but that doesn't mean you're lonely. It doesn't mean you're lonely. It just means you need alone time. So everybody can get alone time, but that doesn't mean you should be lonely. So God says loneliness is not good. Instead, he offers a suitable helper. Everybody say suitable. So this is basically saying that, you know, Eve, like Yuli was saying perfectly, it doesn't mean that Eve's going to be in the, in the kitchen whipping up like eggs and like eggs in the, in the whatever, the stone pan or something saying, Adam, you can come here from hunting. And he just takes a big old horse and just like brought dinner, honey. You know, that's not what, exactly what it means. You see, God created Adam for a purpose. Okay. He created Adam for a purpose. Matter of fact, he created mankind for a purpose. And this purpose was meant not to be done alone, but it was meant to be done in a partnership. Everybody say partnership. So there is a partnership here because helper is not talking about someone who's weak and being like, may I serve you a cup of tea, Lord? I try to, so the Bible says sometimes that the husband calls the, the wife Lord because back in the day they would do that. So the, the wife would call the husband Lord like, hello, Lord, right? Like, so one time I tried to get my wife to call me Lord. Um, but like not, lo, lowercase Lord, like, hello, Lord Farquaad, like that, you know what I'm saying? So I told her, I'm like, babe, I think you should start calling me Lord for now. And I just get this feeling. So like when you give me my plate, just be like, here you go, Lord. And I'll be like, thank you. Okay, but that didn't happen, all right? I'm just, just letting you know it didn't happen. Don't worry. But that's not how Eve is, is treating Adam. See, Eve is not some uh, subservient or just submissive to slavery type submission there. You know, that's, that's not what this is talking about because helper really is talking about assistance, help. Matter of fact, the Bible in David, when he's crying out to the Lord, he says, the Lord is my helper, right? The Lord is my ever-present help in time of trouble. So the Lord himself is called helper. Does that mean that God is just, his whole purpose just, just to serve us? No, that's, that's not what it is. So we have to bring that within context. Eve is a partner to Adam in this purpose. And what exactly is the purpose? If we can go to Genesis 1.28 really quickly. God created mankind for a reason. You can just scroll up to Genesis 1.28. And this, no, scroll up to 1.28. So I'm not going to do what P. Joe does. Just go up. 1.28. Right there, right there. So God blessed them, right? So he created them in his image, mankind. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. So this whole purpose, understand this, was to spread, right, their dominion, to basically rule over the earth, to basically make Eden the earth, because they're in Eden right now. They're in the garden. And they're supposed to now put Eden here, put Eden there. They're, they're multiplying. They're increasing. They're subduing the earth, making sure that everything is under their dominion and everything is looking like Eden at this point. So that, that was their purpose, and they're doing it together. They're doing it as a team. Now, when God had made Adam, he brings up all the animals, right? So he brings up, uh, he brings up the chihuahua, right? He brings the lion. He brings Simba. You know, he brings the hippopotamus, and he brings all these animals. And yet still, there's no helper suitable for them, for him, 
right? So they can't help him do what he needs to do. So for all my cat people here, all my dog people here, listen, that is not a suitable helper for you. I'm just sorry to say that, okay? Sorry. But then also, you see, God doesn't bring another Adam. You see, God does not bring another Adam. And that is a big thing here because we're, we're in an age where people are able to really kind of look at the Bible and they say, okay, I don't really, that doesn't really apply to me. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, that's not really true. That's true for you. But you see, God in his purpose did not create an Adam for an Adam. Best believe he could have done that if he wanted to. He could have made an Adam suitable for another Adam, but he doesn't do that. He makes a woman for a man. So we have to understand that even though the culture is saying that a man can have a suitable helper in another man as a husband, God is not saying that. He's saying quite the opposite. He's saying that is not a suitable helper. And then guess what? Adam, you know, he didn't make Adam two Eves. He only made one Eve. For, so for some people in other religions, they're able to just get, a, get as many wives as they can. I don't know if you know this, but in Islam, you can do that. In Islam, you can have more than one wife. Muhammad had multiple wives. And Mormon, uh, in their beliefs, in the Mormons' beliefs, they can have more than one wife. Right? Some people, right? Some people know that, you know, their dad and their mom have more than one, you know, guy and girl. And, and you see the issues with that. So God didn't give Adam two Eves, another Adam. God didn't give him, uh, you know, air bud and say, go at it. He didn't say that. Right? He gave him Eve. And this Eve, though, is not a different type of species or a different type of human or a lower human, but this is one like Adam made in the image of God. Women are made in the image of God, and that's something that's big because in that time, that's actually very controversial. Many religions thought women were not even like men. They were like half men. They were like maybe like half human, half whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like half, I don't know. I don't care. Some religions, you know, they don't even get saved. You know, you don't really ever hear about what happens when, you know, women in uh, Islam die, or die and go to heaven, right? You just hear about men because they get virgins. You, you got to understand that in ancient days, women were disrespected. So for to the Bible, an ancient, uh, an ancient text to say that women are now equal to men, that's a big thing. Equal in value, that's a big thing. So we understand that. First, we have to have a right view of women, a right view of men. They are made for each other to serve a purpose. And the purpose is to multiply God's favor on earth, really, to multiply Eden on earth. And they do this by getting it on and having kids. And we'll get there right in a second. But loneliness is not good, we see. We're created for this relationship. We're created for this friendship to fulfill God's purpose. Adam and Eve were created for each other. Now, when we think about that in our lives, we have to understand that relationships and friendships, they serve a higher purpose. They serve God's purpose. So when you have these friendships, because listen, it's not just relationships, because Adam and Eve, they had to be friends. They were the only two people there. Imagine them not being friends. Imagine Adam not being friendly with Eve. Imagine the cold shoulders. Imagine the eye rolls. Imagine the eye rolls. Goodness gracious, Eve would be... Oh, and Adam would be, oh, gosh, right? But they had to be friends, amen? I'm reading into that, but I just have to, I, I have, they have to be friends. Like, I'm going to be on the whole other side of the world. You stay on this side of the world, you know what I'm saying? No, they didn't do that, okay? They were friends. Friendships and relationships have a purpose to serve God and to fulfill his purpose. And that's where we have fulfillment. This is what they were created for, so they had fulfillment in that. Now, Adam and Eve... 
It says right here, if we uh, go back to Genesis chapter 2, but we learn that, yes, God says loneliness is bad, but it says that Adam and Eve were united in one flesh, in one flesh. What do you think that means? Well, yeah, they had sex. That's what they did, right? They had sex. They were united. They were one flesh. They were one. They were no, what was two is now one. And this poem that he speaks of, if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 18, to go, go down a little bit more. This poem that he speaks of is right there. It says, now, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is Adam speaking. And this poem is not, you know, Adam naming Eve as in like, you know, like he named the animals. That's not it. A lot of people would say that. But it's Adam recognizing his closeness to this woman. It's Adam recognizing that, basically saying what he saw, this is woman, out of me she came, or she came from me, she is a part of me, she is close to me. So basically he's recognizing how close Eve is to him, bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh. You see, marriage, when when you really think about marriage, it is the closest relationship you could ever have to a person. You are united to them, you are in this commitment mentally, spiritually, physically to them, and Adam is recognizing that right now. So if we continue on, This is why. So now the Bible, right, does a little, like, side note. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and he's united to his wife. You don't really ever see a man getting married and him just chilling, playing video games all day in his parents' basement, right? You don't see that. That's not normal. And a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, my age, they avoid marriage. And I'm not boasting myself. But it's because, man, they'd rather be chilling at the crib, man. They don't want no girl telling them what to do and everything. They're like, man, I want to be by myself. I don't want to deal with the drama. That's what they would say. And a lot of women, right, they don't want to deal with the guy. They don't want to deal with his things and what he says and how lazy he may be or how uh, he might tell her to do things. So there's this pride that kind of kicks in when people don't want to live with each other, right? But this right here is saying this is why a man leaves his father and his mother, right? So he's leaving this old family. Now, that doesn't mean all of a sudden, you know, Lawrence uh, just left Kirsten, right, and just said, Kirsten is obsolete. No more Kirsten, only Jackie, right? That's not what Lawrence was doing, right? But instead, Lawrence was saying, I'm going to now start this new family because in this day, they had extended families. Anybody got cousins in this place? Anybody got cousins that are like brothers and sisters in this place? Close cousins? Yeah, I, I have close cousins, right? I got a cousin right here. At, raise your hand. That's my cousin, right? So we have extended family in here. So it's not, it's not meaning that once you get with someone, you leave your old family, but it's saying this, is that when you find this person that you marry, Adam, uh, when you find this person, you replicate what Adam and Eve did, is that you unite you join this one family. Another thing what it means to be one flesh is it means to have be one family. So you were once alone, a singular person, right? Branched off this other family, but then you broke off and you started your other family. Now you start a new family tree in a sense. So that is really what it means for him to leave. You, in marriage, it's not something you're playing games with. You know, you're not just trying to pass time. You're not just trying to... Talk to someone. You're not just trying to have a baby and move on. You're uniting your whole life to another person's life. Your life is no longer your own. It's this person's life as well. And their life is no longer their own. It's your life as well. The Bible even says that if a man does not love his wife, God doesn't even hear his prayers. 
The Bible says that if a man does not love his wife, then he must hate himself. So we have to understand is that when we get into these relationships at our age, right? At your age, I'm already married, right? But at your age, when you get into these relationships and you're, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, you're not, you're not ready for marriage. You got to understand that you're still getting to something serious. Get into something serious. Who's the youngest person in this place right now? Probably AJ, how old are you? Bethany? No, Evie, there you go. What am I saying? Evie, say how old you are. 10, right? 10, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's too young for my example right now. All right, who's 13? Who's 14, 13? 13, 14. We have Josie. You're not, they're not 13, 14. No way, I thought you were 15. Okay. Dang, getting the, you're, you're 13? 14? Okay, yeah, I knew you were 13. I was like, why are you, are you guys lying to me right now? You're 13. Okay, did you know that you're about a year from marriage at this time? You're a year from marriage. People would get married at 14, 15. 14, 15, they would get married to other 14, 15-year-olds. So understand, when you get into these relationships, my friend at 14 years old, he had a kid. 14 years old, he had a kid. Listen, you got to understand, this stuff can get serious. Not saying it should. Like, everyone knows, you should, you should not be having kids at 14. Don't be having sex at 14. Don't be having kids at 14. Don't even look at the opposite gender, everyone. Look up, look down. Don't look at each other, right? But you have to understand is that we as people, we have this thing called puberty, right? Now, I'm not going to get into sex ed, right? I know y'all, they teach y'all some weird stuff now, but I'm not the replacement. Ask your parents. But there's this thing called puberty. And once you have, start having puberty, you start getting these feelings and these, these emotions and these hormones, and they start kicking in. And I want to let you know that's actually natural. It's actually natural. For you to want to be with another person that's the opposite gender, the opposite, that's natural, Right? So, like, if you're saying, you know, like, Yuli, Yuli admitted he was thirsty, right? So, since he admitted he was thirsty, I would say that I was once thirsty at once, too. I saw my, my wife giving me the eye, like, don't even lie, don't front. I was thirsty at one point, too, right? And, and so was TJ. I'm going to put you on blast to be with me, right? We, we've all been thirsty in this place, okay? And, and God said, listen, drink some water, son. Drink some water, son. Chill. Chill, my guy. <laughs> you're, st- you're still breathing. Don't worry. You're still alive? Trying to open this water so I can actually drink some water, right? But we've all been thirsty in this place. How many of you have been thirsty? Raise your hand. (laughs) Just kidding. You don't have to do that. (laughs) Here's the thing. To want to be in a relationship is a natural thing because man should not be alone. Woman should not be alone either. Man, woman should not be alone. Don't have to be alone. That's a normal thing. That's natural. When your hormones start kicking in and you start saying, I want a girlfriend, I want a boyfriend, I want to date, that's a natural thing. Now, dating back in the day didn't exist. So, you know, the father would choose who the daughter would marry. There are different times where that didn't happen in the Bible. Like there's this thing called Songs of Solomon, which is more actually closer to what we do nowadays where we pursue each other, we talk, and we figure it out. Uh, But usually the father would see like, uh, you want this guy? Yeah, yeah, he likes me. Oh, let me see him. And then he would look at the guy, no job, no car, no college education, no money. Uh, he doesn't come from a wealthy family. Get this guy out of here. He doesn't even have a cow. You know what I'm saying? So like, nope, right? 
Or a guy would be like, I come with my greatest cow, I have my donkey, I'm a rich man, I have a land far away, right? So they would do stuff like that to win the girl's heart because they didn't want to be alone. So we have to understand that this stuff is natural. You are made for relationship with each other, including each other as in the opposite gender. So when we think about that, we have to put it in now context with the Bible. That does not give us now the ability to talk to six girls at once and tell them all your, your you know, wicked fantasies or whatever. That's wrong. That's wrong. Stop that. Girls, that doesn't get you. get to talk to the nearest guy who, you know, gives you attention, right? Don't do that, right? Have some self-respect. Just because he says he remembers your favorite color does not mean he cares about your favorite color, amen, right? I'm going to give you a hint, girls. Sometimes guys just say whatever you want to hear just so that they can get with you. So let's wake up, right? Let's wake up. And just because he talks to you all day doesn't mean that has to be your boo. Maybe he talks to you all day because he doesn't have anything to do with his life, just to be honest. And just because she talks to you, dude, all day and she, respond, she replies quick doesn't mean she's a good listener or she likes you. It just probably means she has no life. Move on. That's just, that's just me being honest right there. Dude, we, when we are uniting with these people, we have to understand we're giving them our lives. So... You may think that's cute, that's funny, but then once you living together, it ain't going to be cute, ain't be funny. You think, oh, my boyfriend, he likes to play video games. He's a gamer. I play video games with him. Once y'all get married, he don't get a job, and you work in two jobs, and he's struggling to find one job. You're going to be like, dang, ah, shouldn't have got with the gamer, right? I'm just, I'm just being honest. When you unite... Right? You have to understand just what that means. That's very serious. So take that serious now as you're dating. Take that now serious as you're, as you're dating now. So Adam and Eve, they show us that there's unity. There's a family, and it's not disorderly. It's not Adam, Eve, and, uh, you know, Air Bud. It's not Adam, Adam. It's not Adam, Eve, and Jalissa. It's Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve show there's a unity, there's family, there's orderly, uh, it's orderly. It's not a confusing thing. They're together. They are one. They're united to do this one purpose. And another thing, if we go back to that passage, is they're not ashamed. Everybody say, not ashamed. Listen, shame will kill your relationship. If you have a relationship, shame will kill it. Because shame wants to hide. Shame wants to make sure that no one knows anything, including the person that you're in a relationship with. So we have to understand is that uh, when they were together, they were both naked. Everybody say naked. And they felt no shame. So they were both naked. Adam and Eve were both naked. Don't get that image in your head, but they were both naked and they felt no shame. What does that mean, though, with naked? Of course, they're the only two people on earth. If, I, if, if it was Karina and I and the only two people on earth, dude, I'm not wearing my, I'm wearing my birthday suit every day, right? I'm going to be riding the line, and then I'm going to be like, huzzah, you know? And, and that's just what I'm going to do, wake up and live, you know? That's life. That's life. However, however, there's a deeper meaning in that. They're naked. What does that mean? There's nothing hiding them. They're concealed. They see each other perfectly. That means everything about them, they know. They're not hidden from each other. There's transparency. There's openness. There's accountability. There, there's nothing separating Adam and Eve at this point. No type of shame. No walls. And I want to let you guys know, a lot of y'all have problems and a lot of issues. You get in a relationship not to fix those issues, okay? Your relationships are not meant to fulfill some void in your heart because daddy don't love you. That's not what it's meant for. Your relationship is not meant for that. 
Just because you didn't have a woman in your life to show you that kindness and that love and that motherly love doesn't mean your girlfriend has to treat you like mama, okay? We have to understand that relationships aren't meant to fulfill some void. That is selfish and that is weird, okay? She's, that's not your rock, man. That's not your rock. That's your girl. Understand that. That's your wife. That's not your rock. She doesn't give you breath, okay? Some post on Facebook be like, she's my everything. If I, if I had to go a single step on this earth without her, I would fall and faint. And as I fainted, I would realize my uselessness without my only beloved. But she's there, so I'm alive and I breathe, right? Like, we see that stuff. It's like, no, no. You guys are whole together. You're not broken and she fixes you. That's not what relationships are for. Like, anybody ever seen the, they're kind of done now, but there was these old memes with uh, Joker and Harley. And yeah, man, dude, those were the most toxic memes, man. Because I knew everyone who shared that and they didn't put any type of, like, background in it. I was like, man, this person is toxic, I bet, dude. You can't, you can't say to another person, fix me, make me whole. That's not what relationships are for. That's not what it's meant for. Because there's a wall that's there. There's no nakedness there, okay? Figuratively speaking, do not get naked before someone, amen? Unless that's your wife or your husband. However, you should be transparent and open with the person that you are going to be in a relationship with. That's the truth because that's how it's meant to be. God made man not for man to be alone, but for them to be united in one flesh, and they're not to be ashamed. You see, because they had integrity. Trust was present. You see, because if there is no transparency, no openness, there's no trust, and there's no trust, there's no relationship. So Adam and Eve were, of course they trusted each other. They didn't even know what not to trust about each other yet. The fall hadn't happened. You know, Adam hadn't start, you know, giving attitude. Eve hadn't start rolling her eyes yet. You know what I'm saying? So there was nothing to prohibit them. They were naked and they felt no shame. Now, there's a big reason why they were like that. If I can have Melanie come up, please. There's a reason why they were like that. Because they were in the garden together. They were in the garden together. They were one. But then who else was with them? God. See, God was with them. So God was in their relationship. Adam and Eve were together because God gave Eve to Adam, and Adam received Eve from God. So it wasn't like God, it wasn't like Adam was like, man, I'm going to sneak around God's back, date this person, even though God doesn't want me to. It's not like Eve was like the forbidden fruit. No, Eve was what God intended for him to have. And a lot of us, we don't, want to, we don't want to settle for what God has to give us because we think it's settling. The relationship that God has for you, right, he's in it. And if he's in it, then it will be a blessed marriage. Amen? And I say marriage because, listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Y'all should not be dating right now. A lot of y'all, if not most of y'all, should not be dating right now. Y'all should be waiting because you guys have shame. A lot of you have shame. And because you have shame... You're going to bring that into the relationship. And then guess what? You guys are going to be ashamed together. And it's going to be a shameful thing that you guys are in. So what I'm saying for you guys is now understand who God is, right? Because Adam and Eve, they understood. God said loneliness is not good, right? So they got together, right? Adam was given Eve. But they were united in one flesh. They were one family. You guys can't do that unless you're married, so dating is a hard thing, and that's why stay with this month, and we're going to be talking about dating. But when it comes to marriage, that's the only way you can be knighted and have one family. If a person is not married, they living together, have three kids, 
That's not called true love, right? That's just called, you don't want, you don't want to make that commitment. You don't want God in your marriage. A lot of us come from households like that, but I'm telling you, that's not right. We're supposed to be unified. And then one flesh. The unification comes before the one flesh because it is a holy thing to be married, and then it's a holy thing to be one flesh. But those are two separate things. you got to get that. They were united in one flesh, and then they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. If I can have the altar workers up, please. And this is... This is this is a reflection of the gospel. This is a reflection of the gospel. We can go to 1 Corinthians 6, verses 16 to 18. You see, because when it comes to us in Christ, we don't have to be in this, this, in the, alone in this world without him. In this world of sin and darkness, we don't have to be alone, but we can be with Christ. For some of you that don't want to be in a relationship, for some of you that are like, man, I don't really care about anything you just said. I don't. Listen, I want to help you know you still should not be alone. You still should not be alone because Christ wants to be with you. You see, because Christ, he came from the Father. We all know John, John 3, 16. You see, the Father saw the world and he sent his Son. He sent his Son, gave us his Son, so that we, right, would become one with him. The Son, he left his glory, his throne, where he was, right? Just like Adam had left his family to be united with Eve, the son Jesus left his throne, his glory, to be united with the church, the people who believe. So when we now see that Christ, he left the throne, and now he's clinging to humanity, right? Just like Adam left his family and now cling to Eve, we now can cling back to him. We can hold on to him because he died. He was buried. He resurrected. He's alive. So that we as humans now, we can go through that same process. The old us, we can die. The old us can die. We can leave the old sin, the old habits, the old uh, addictions, the old stuff behind. And now we can become new with Christ, one with him. So we don't have to be alone. We can be with Jesus. And since we're with Jesus, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're united to him in one spirit. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16 says this. Um, it says, do you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So don't unite yourself with the wrong people. Don't unite yourself with some person that not, that's not your husband, not your wife. That's foolishness. Instead, do this. Be united with the Lord in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits is outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So understand this. Be pure in this place. Be united with Christ in one spirit. If everyone can stand up, please. So we're talking about relationships. So the altar call is going to be very simple. If you do not have a relationship with God, if you are not one with him in spirit, it's time for you to come up and do that. Become one with the Lord in spirit. Have a relationship with God. That can start today. Now, if you say I have, you have a relationship with God, but you struggle with loneliness, that's something that you deal with a lot. And you want God to help you with that. And you want God to help you build relationships. Not just, you know, getting a girl, getting a boy, but having friends. Not being alone in that sense. 
That's where it starts. Come up so you can receive prayer for help with that. And then if there's prayer for anything else, you're sick, you want a family member to be saved, you want to continue living holy, listen, you can come up there for, for that as well. But if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes, please. Listen, this word, it wasn't, it was more, you know, a lot of talking. It was a lot of a, uh, application. There's a lot of things that I said. If you were thinking that way about relationships before today, in the wrong way, Listen, right now, just begin to speak to God. God, help me learn how to have a relationship with you, but then also with my friends, with the opposite sex. Help me to see women not as lustful uh, pieces of objects, but as sisters in Christ. Help me not to see men as uh, people to do whatever they, I want for them or as sexual objects, but to see them as brothers in Christ. You see, because when we become new, in Christ, we see other people in a new way. So begin to pray that out. God, help me to, to love my brothers and sisters in Christ the way you want me to. Help me to have friendships because I don't want to be alone, God. As Melanie sings, I want you guys to come up or continue to pray. But let's have a new perspective on what it means to not be alone. Let's have a new perspective of what it means to love neighbor.